Happy Easter, church family. Well, I'd like to greet you with the traditional Easter greeting, and that's where I say to you, Christ is risen. And then you say back to me, Christ is risen indeed. So ready? Christ is risen. Sorry, I didn't hear you say anything. Can we try it again? Christ is risen. Still didn't hear anything. Well, I guess there are some downsides to this online service. But, you know, uh, with the um, situation we're in, a pandemic, uh, Easter Sunday, I think it's important that we keep our sense of humor as we um, trust the Lord and, and walk through this season. And uh, I've seen some funny things these, uh, this last week, read a few online that I wanted to share with you that will just help keep our, our sense of humor with what we're going through. One person wrote this, I used to spin that toilet paper like I was on Wheel of Fortune. Now I turn it like I'm cracking a safe. <laughs> Wonder if you can identify with that, preserving your toilet paper. Another person wrote this, a public service announcement. Every few days, try your jeans on just to make sure they fit. Pajamas will have you believe all is well with the world. <laughs> I wonder if you're staying in your pajamas all day. Here's one of my favorites for those who have children at home. Homeschooling is going well. Two students suspended for fighting and one teacher fired for drinking on the job. <laughs> I think if... Uh, if Martha and I had our son's home during the, this time, um, we might identify with that as well. One final one. If the schools are closed for too long, the parents are going to find a vaccine before the scientists. Well, those are all things that are going on during this time of uh, home shelter. But you know, with all that we're going through with uh, the pandemic, the virus, and uh, for this Easter Sunday, what we could, cons cons what we could call our pandemic Easter Sunday, the question I want to ask is this, what is God saying? What is God saying in the pandemic? And especially, what is God saying on, pan on the pandemic Easter Sunday? We're hearing a lot of voices these days. We're hearing the voices of politicians. We're hearing the voices of medical authorities. We're, we're hearing the voices of, of news pundits. But above all of those voices, there's a clear and powerful word that God is speaking during this pandemic and especially on Easter Sunday morning. And that's what I'd like to look at this morning. What is God saying to you and to me on this Easter Sunday morning? We're going to hear his word very powerfully and very clearly and loudly in Romans chapter 8. We're going to see God saying two very loud and clear things to you and me. So let's read together Romans chapter 8. The, ver the verses will come up on your screen. Paul writes under the Spirit, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. Now let me pause for a second and and let's note this section because everyone is groaning. 
The physical creation is groaning. The planet is groaning. As in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the spirits, we Christians, are groaning. It's not just the physical order. He says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now catch this. Creation is groaning. Christians are groaning. And Paul says the Holy Spirit, God himself, is groaning. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Holy Spirit is groaning. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And verse 28 is one of the best known, one most wonderful verses in all of the Bible. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those, God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God is creating a family. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, think about that. Um, I can see you in your living room. Some of you are in your pajamas and you don't look particularly glorified yet. Paul is looking at the whole panorama, the whole big picture of salvation. And he's saying that God is doing a good work. And those he predestined, he set his heart on beforehand. Those he called, those he declared righteous, he justified. Those he glorified, he's looking at the entire panorama of salvation and realizing that God is doing a good work. Well... Why all this groaning? Did you notice there was so much groaning in this passage? The, the physical order, creation, the planet itself is groaning. Christians are groaning. Paul identifies with that. And yes, the Holy Spirit is groaning. Well, when you think about it, why do people groan? Groaning is a recognition. Your spirit goes, ah, things aren't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Things are messed up. And very often groaning is where there is pain that is present. Maybe you're in pain or somebody you love is in pain. But things are not right. They're not the way they, th they should be. And, and it causes us to groan. And Paul is saying the physical order, the physical creation is groaning because things aren't right. That's what the tsunami is. The tsunami is a physical groaning in the world in which we live in, the physical order, that things aren't right. God did not design the world to have viruses that infect people's bodies, that bring illness, that bring disease and death, that travel to the ends of the world and, and, and bring ruin to people's lives and shut down economies and, and stop Christians meeting. None of that was God's design in the, His created order. But Paul is saying that the created order itself is subject to 
forces of, of decay and destruction and ruin and death. Where did these groanings in the physical creation come from? Well, we read in Genesis chapter 3 that they're rooted in the sin, the rebellion of humanity. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, it ruined their relationship with God, it ruined their relationship with each other, and it had an effect on the created order. Their relationship with the created order got messed up, and the created order, the planet itself, came under the, the forces of decay and disease and destruction and, yes, even death. So when we see these, um, what we often call natural disasters, whether it's a pandemic, or maybe your mind will think like I do of what you've seen on TV when there's a, uh, a tsunami and a tidal wave uh, wreaking destruction and, and flowing and destroying buildings and cars and lives or, or an earthquake or, or um, uh, a hurricane or a tornado blowing up houses. All of these forces of nature, what we call them, it's creation groaning under these forces of destruction and decay and death. And that's really what the pandemic is. It's a groaning of the physical universe. But Paul says not only is the physical order, the planet groaning, but he is groaning and he is experiencing physical suffering in his body. Now, what kind of physical suffering? Well, he speaks in, in uh, another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about some of the physical sufferings. And I want to read them because I think they they put your physical suffering and my physical suffering, even in this pandemic, into perspective a little bit. Paul says this, Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. He was beaten up because of his witness for Christ. Three times I was beaten with rods. He says, I spent... Uh, I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. He says, I'm in constant danger. He says, I've known hunger and thirst, have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked without clothes. So let me just ask you, raise your hand if, if you've been without food, if you've been beaten recently, if you've been cold and, and shipwrecked. Paul had all of these sufferings in his body, and yet he called them groanings. Well, um, none of us can identify with the kind of suffering that Paul had, but um, you know what? Um, I've been learning in these last few months, my body has been groaning more than I was aware of. Um, as you know, uh, up until last fall, uh, I was healthy, active, and then I had a situation develop in my spinal column that was putting pressure on my spinal cord, and I actually lost the use of my legs. My legs went numb, and I had to have surgery to restore my ability to walk, because I actually lost my ability to walk. And I'm thinking to myself, that isn't right. That's messed up. God created my body for walking. And then on top of that, three weeks after my surgery, my leg swells up and I've got this blood clot that goes from top to bottom of my leg and into my pelvis. <laughs> that isn't right. This is messed up. My body's groaning. It's not supposed to be this way. And um, God didn't create clotting to happen inside the body. He created clotting to happen when the blood flows outside the body, which in itself is a miracle. But my body was groaning. And um, my suffering is minor compared to uh, some of my friends. I have loved ones, I have dear friends who, who have rheumatoid arthritis. 
and continual pain in their bodies. Uh, I have another friend who's battling cancer. Um, I have a friend who has a heart condition. And all of these are groanings, physical groanings of our bodies. I just got an email this morning of a friend who was rushed into emergent surgery last night with a, with a bowel bursting and, and emergency surgery and his wife can't even go in to visit him. Well, all of these physical sufferings are just groanings and, and they're signs that things aren't the way they should be. It's messed up. It ain't right. <laughs> You know, our family had a saying, I don't know where it started, but our family used to always say, that ain't right. And uh, when something was wrong in the world, uh, that ain't right. And in fact, just a few weeks ago, when Kobe Bryant uh, died in such a tragic way, uh, my son Will in California, before the news even hit here, um, sent a text to the brothers and, and uh, me and, and let us know that Kobe had gotten down in an airplane, in a helicopter crash with his teenage daughter. And one of my sons added to the text, that ain't right. You know, that's just not the way things should be. And um, our bodies groan, uh, physical order groan. And as we saw, the Holy Spirit himself groans. Why does he groan? Oh, because he knows things aren't right. And we're living in a world where things are not right. And the Holy Spirit identifies with us. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray. And so he prays for us and praise according to God's will that things would be made right. And if you want to see a tangible expression of, of the Holy Spirit groaning, it, it goes beyond groans when you look at the experience of the Spirit-filled Jesus in Bethany. Remember that event in Jesus' life? He goes up to Bethany and some of his dearest friends live in Bethany. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, closest friends. But Lazarus dies and uh, they're grieving. And beyond groaning, the text says Jesus weeps. He cries. And, and surely he's identifying that things aren't right here. Um, yes, the family has lost a loved one and they're hurting. But beyond that, he's, he's, he's groaning and, and weeping, not just for the, that family and his friends. He's, he's groaning and weeping through the Spirit for the human condition. Because God did not design humans to get sick and to die and to be buried in a tomb and to rot and to stink. The whole thing stinks. And Jesus is groaning and weeping for the human condition. Well, with all of this groaning, what is God saying? He's groaning through the pandemic. He's groaning when he sees the suffering that we have. The physical creation itself is groaning. And in all of that groaning, God is speaking very loudly very clearly. And can I just highlight two things that he says to you and me this pandemic Easter Sunday? He's speaking loudly. He's speaking clearly. And here's one of the things he's saying to you. He, and he's saying to me, something wonderful is coming. I'm going to make all things right. You're living in a messed up world, but the day is coming where glory is, the groaning is going to be turned into glory. Where something new, something whole, something full of life, a new creation is on its way. <laughs> take courage, take joy in that reality. Did you notice as I read the passage that these groanings are birth pangs? They're, they're signs that life is coming. That's what a birth pang is. Now I gotta uh, admit to you, I, I can't identify with having a birth pang. I have never had a birth pang. But I've been with Martha four times where she's had 
birth pangs. The one I remember uh, uh, most uh, readily happened on Christmas Eve. And I have a very strong memory of, of those birth pangs she experienced on Christmas Eve. It was 10 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve. We were living on the mainland. And I was putting together a Christmas gift for my boys. It was a, a red wagon. It came in a box. It had to be assembled. It was 10 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve. I was getting ready for Christmas Day. Martha came into the living room. I'm halfway got this wagon put together. And Martha says, I think we need to go to the hospital. She's pregnant with our third son. And by the way, uh, when he arrived, we named him Mark. But Martha came to the living room and said, you know, I'm starting to have some contractions. I think we should go to the hospital. And being the uh, emotionally sensitive husband <laughs> and the supportive husband that I am, I said to her, hey, can you just wait until I'm finished putting this wagon together and then we'll go to the hospital? And she said, Rick, I think we need to go now. So I said, okay. And I put down what I was doing and we took the boys that were sleeping over to our neighbor's house, packed up her things, drove to the hospital. We got to the hospital about 11 o'clock at night. And I remember looking at the clock, it was 11 o'clock, and I thought, we're going to have a Christmas baby. I mean, usually it takes a number of hours for the child to arrive. We were there at 11 o'clock. Baby Mark made his grand entrance into the world at, at 11.45, 15 minutes short of midnight. So we didn't get a Christmas baby, we got a Christmas Eve baby. But here's the point. Martha had those birth pangs. She had those pains, and it was painful for her. But those were simply signs that a new life was on its way, a new creation, a beautiful, handsome, I want to say in the image of his father, but we have to give credit for the good looks to his mother. But out of those birth pangs, out of that pain, came a whole new life. And that's the image of this pandemic, that God is giving us a sign that things are messed up, that they're painful, but He is going to make all things new. A new creation, a new order, a new world, a new universe, what Revelation chapter 21 and 22 calls a new creation. And part of that new creation is going to be a glorified resurrection body for you and me. That's the significance of Easter Sunday morning because when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when Mary saw him, told the disciples, the disciples saw him, it was the first fruits, it was the first installment of the new creation, of this new order, of this new universe that is on its way. The birth pangs are happening. The birth is coming. When it's coming, we don't know. But that groaning is going to be transformed into glory that is, quite frankly, unimaginable. unimaginable. And you and I have a personal stake in that because the sufferings that we have in our body now are simply signs of the glorified resurrection body that is coming to us. I want to read those verses that, that speak particularly because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he describes our glorified resurrection body. And it says this, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead, your glorified and resurrected body. The body that is sown is perishable. It deteriorates. It decays. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in weakness. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. That's the Spirit's description of your future glorified, risen body. 
And I want to just emphasize that, first of all, it will be a spectacular glorified body that you will receive, that I will receive, and it will be, first of all, personal. What I mean by that is there's a continuity between who you are now and your future glorified body. We know from the glimpses we have of Jesus' resurrected glorified body. People recognized him. It was the same person, but it was a whole new bodily existence. And it will be the same for you and me. We will recognize each other. We will be able to see who that person is, even though they'll be in a whole glorified form. But it will be personal. Secondly, it will be indestructible. That's what it says. Sown perishable, but it will be raised imperishable. When I think about that truth, I, I uh, love the story of two elderly men that were living in a nursing home. And uh, as they had lunch together one day, they, they discovered that um, both of them in their lives before the nursing home had loved to play golf. Both of them were golfers. But they were lamenting the fact that now, in their present condition as older citizens, they couldn't play golf anymore. One said, you know what, I, uh, I'm strong enough, I can hit the ball, I can walk, but my eyes are failing, I can't see where the ball lands. And his friend said, well, you know what, my eyes are really good, I, I can see, but you know, I've got a bad back and I just can't walk and I, I can't hit the ball like I used to. And then one of them got an idea, why don't we go golfing together? And uh, one friend said, you know, I can hit the ball, and if you watch where it lands, we'll get in the golf cart and we'll go and find it. We can go golfing together. That's a great idea. We'll enjoy golf again together. So sure enough, they made a date and they went out on the golf course, and one of the friends got up, hit the ball, great drive right down the, the fairway, and he turned to his friends and he said, did you see where it landed? And he said, yeah, I saw where it landed. He said, well, where did it land? And his friend said, I forgot. <laughs> Well, it's just a reminder that, you know what, our bodies are deteriorating and they have an expiration date on them. But our resurrection body, there will be no decay, there'll be no deterioration, they'll be indestructible. And that's a glorious thought. There will be no RA, there will be no back problems, there will be no Tylenol, no hospitals, no cancer, no surgeries. We'll have an indestructible, glorified, risen body. The third thing that we can be encouraged about is that they will be glorious. They're raised, they're sown in dishonor, dishonor but they're raised in glory. And uh, we can only imagine what our glorified resurrection bodies in the new creation that God is going to form will be like. But we get a, we get a glimpse of it in this present order when we think of you know, a caterpillar being transformed into a butterfly, a worm-like creature into something that flies and dances in the air with color. Um, I saw a cartoon once of, of two little caterpillars sitting on a branch talking to each other and, and up above them were a whole myriad of, of beautiful butterflies, colorful butterflies, flying, dancing in the air. And one little uh, caterpillar looks at the cater other caterpillar and says, you'll never get me up in one of those contraptions. <laughs> and it's like, yes, of course you'd rather be a butterfly. And there's something glorious, something transformational will happen with our resurrection bodies. And then finally, he says this, they will be powerful. These current bodies, which are miraculous in themselves, but our future resurrection body in the new creation, in the new order, in the new universe that God is going to uh, create, they will be powerful beyond our imagination. And I tend to think about uh, the contrast between um, what is a great vehicle right now, a powerful vehicle, my, my Nissan uh, sedan, 
works wonderfully for this world. Anyway, I want to go on Oahu, it'll take me over the mountain, it'll get me there safely, it'll get me there um, well. But you know what? It's not designed to get me to the mainland. <laughs> if I want a, a, a vehicle that will get me to the mainland, my Nissan Sentra, as great as it is, won't get me there. If I wanted to travel to a distant galaxy, well, it just won't do it, won't cut it. And uh, if I only had the Millennial Falcon, then I know I could not only get to the mainland, I could get to any, I could go to warp speed. I could go at, at uh, the speed of light and get anywhere. Well, that kind of contrast is perhaps fitting for what the scriptures say, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the mind has not conceived all that God has stayed, stored up for those who love him. And certainly our resurrected, glorified bodies are going to be functioning in a new creation in a powerful way that we, is beyond our greatest imagination. So that's one of the things that God is saying to you and me this morning. He is creating something new. This pandemic is just a birth pang. There's a whole wonderful new life coming. It embraces the entire universe. It embraces your body. Take heart. Take, be encouraged that God has something wonderful in store for you. The second thing that God is saying to you and to me in this is that he is creating something wonderful in us now. It's not just the future, but in us now. Please note that the text says that, that God is working all things, including what's going on in the pandemic, including what's going on in your circumstances, including in sheltering in your home, for good. He works all of those things for good. And, and look carefully at the text that says, what is that good that he's working? He's making you like Jesus. That's his purpose, his ultimate purpose for your life, to conform you into the image of his son. And so that's the question I want you to take a couple of minutes and just discuss with your loved ones. How is the circumstances of the pandemic, how is what you're going through in your life, how is that an opportunity for God to be creating in you Jesus, the person of Jesus, in his character, in his attitudes, in his faith. When you think about Jesus, and when I think about Jesus, I think about a couple of things. Number one, he was a fully operated in faith. He, he, he relied on the Father. He got his identity from the Father. He got his significance from the Father. He didn't do anything apart from the Father. He lived a life of full faith in his relationship with the Father. How is God fashioning and forging your faith to be like Jesus. And, and the second thing I think about Jesus is his love. He was a man of love, of compassion, of kindness, of caring, of, catch this, serving others. That's entirely what he did out of a heart of love. And so the question for you and for me is, how is God using our current circumstances to make us more like Jesus? Take a minute and just share some thoughts with, with your loved ones. And then I'll come back and we'll conclude our service together.